Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only Broncos fans, diehard Broncos fans at that, but they've supported DNVR for a long time and are DNVR members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial experience with your home being one of your largest assets and your mortgage being your largest debt. They believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation when you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. But most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's Mike and Virginia Chevalier. Call them at 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. And Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Monday on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thank you to everyone who is joining us here today. RK and Zach with you. Zach, my man, how you feeling today? Oh, doing fantastic. Like you said, victory Monday, two in a row. Ryan, the Broncos are undefeated in October right now. Just keep rolling along and they get to sit back and watch their next opponent play this afternoon. Exactly. Of course, the DNVR Broncos podcast is presented by MSU Denver. Head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. We're talking 750 classes, 40-plus hybrid programs. Anything that you need, there's a chance that they have it over at msudenver.edu slash online. So head over there, check out everything they have to offer for you for your online education, rigorous and affordable programs. We have a couple people over here at DNVR who have hopped in on the opportunities over at MSU Denver. And they absolutely love it. So, again, msudenver.edu slash online today. My boy, Ryan, what is up, man? Like you said, victory Monday, two in a row. It feels so good today. It does. And it feels good for us. But there's a lot of people out there who, much to uh, my shock, are not as excited about this game. There's a lot of people out there, Broncos fans, not, you know, just naysayers, who are saying that the the Broncos were lucky to win, uh, that, you know, they uh, that the only reason they won is because the Patriots couldn't practice. And most notably, they're saying that Drew Locke was terrible and that the Broncos won in spite of Drew Locke. What do you think of that last sentence there, Zach? The Broncos won in spite of Drew Locke. Well, I've I haven't seen the Broncos fan base be this divided on a performance from, from a win. Yeah, hey, for, from a win 
in forever, you know, especially what the Broncos have been through with their quarterback situation, what they've been through with their win-loss record recently uh, in the past couple of years. I, I was shocked uh, to see so much divide uh, over this. And Ryan, if the Broncos, if Cam Newton completes that pass on fourth down and let's say that the Patriots end up winning that game, then I think this is the flipped on its head. I think, I think the smaller majority or the, the smaller amount of people are saying that drew lock uh, didn't play well. And I think there's a large majority that are saying he did play well. If the Broncos lose it's flipped on its head. So drew lock definitely, definitely uh, gets favored because of the win. And he helped them with that. But there were a lot of things that were, I guess, concerning, uh, not ideal, um, and so I understand where those people are coming from, but I also don't think it's hard to say when he hits guys four times for touchdowns, uh, or at least three, because it, that happened on three drives that, you know, you can't factor those things in either. And you can't factor, I guess you have to factor in that drew lock got them in position to score their sixth first possessions. Now the defense helped him out big time in, in two of them. But still, Drew Locke guided them to scoring in four of their possessions. Now, does Drew Locke and the, and the offense need to learn how to finish? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Not just in the game, but in that drive, in all of those drives. So certainly, there's growing pains here. But isn't it good to learn when you win? Absolutely. And Zach, I think the biggest problem here is that we've lost our ability to bring nuance into conversations online. This is a nuanced conversation that you have to have about Drew Locke. It can't just be Drew Locke was amazing or Drew Locke was terrible. It is very much somewhere in between, but I I'm definitely much closer to the side of Drew Locke was amazing. Now I wouldn't go as far as using the word amazing, uh, but I I'm much closer to Drew Locke was very, very good in this game and the stats uh, and the scoreboard simply don't reflect it. So I, what I did, Zach, is I woke up this morning and I said, I want to know exactly what it was. Because, you know, yesterday I was just throwing around numbers. Oh, Drew Locke could have had 300 yards and four touchdowns if his quarterback, if his wide receivers just caught the ball. Well, I was wrong about that. But I did go back and I watched every throw from the game and I said, what would have happened if Drew Locke's receivers actually caught the ball? So if you eliminate the four biggest drops from the game and you can't do that but i just just for a thought exercise i wanted to do it if you eliminate the four biggest drops from the game drew lock finishes this one 14 of 21 for 268 yards three touchdowns and zero interceptions now i took away the interceptions because if you have those catches the broncos are up 33 to 9 late in the game there's no way that they're throwing the ball in those situations so again this is extremely presumptive presumptuous and it's a complete hypothetical scenario, but I just wanted to know how good it actually could have been had that happened. And I think what the reality should have been is somewhere in between what we saw and what I, you know, uncovered here. Probably should be like 12 of 23 for 250 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and who knows what happens with the interceptions. But, you know, you're always going to have drops three drops in the end zone and one on the three yard line. And by the way, I only gave them 33 points because they couldn't finish in the red zone. And Deshaun Hamilton wasn't going into the end zone on that catch. So it could have easily been 37 points. If these guys haul in everything, you can't always expect that, but that's just 
I mean, to me, this illuminates what somewhere in between there is what Drew Locke should have been. I think he ended up with the worst possible stat line for how good he played. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the this, this stat line is just incredible that it's a 34 passer rating. So, Ryan, you went to one extreme saying you take away all the drops and mistakes and, you know, three touchdowns, that sort of game, no picks. Um, just looking at what his stat line was, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shed light on another side of this, the complete opposite, Ryan, because someone texted, a buddy texted me last night and said, 10 for 24. 189 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 34.9 passer rating. That is a Tim Tebow stat line right there, and I couldn't disagree. You know, it, it is a Tim Tebow stat line, but of course, like you said, Ryan, you, you need to go past just the numbers to look at this. And, you know, it add the W on there because Tim Tebow got wins as well. Uh, but you, you do have to go past the stat line, and there's going to be two extremes. And the good thing is, Ryan, with this, we don't have to decide if you're giving Drew Locke a five-year, $200 million extension right now. So the people that think he's bad, well, see how he bounces back uh, against Kansas City next week. Then the next week against the Chargers, where that'll be a very interesting matchup with Justin Herbert. People that think he was great, well, can he, can he keep up with Patrick Mahomes? You know, if he can keep up with Patrick Mahomes, then, yeah, it's going to be very hard to, to ignore the three touchdowns that were dropped. So, the, the truth of where his game was was somewhere in the middle. You know, you don't play a 34 passer rating game and beat Bill Belichick, no matter how bad their offense is. You, you, you just don't. Now, you, you also, two interceptions in the fourth quarter, that is very, very hard to win a game when you do that. And the Broncos have done it two weeks in a row now, which is pretty darn incredible. You don't want to have to try to do that every single week, that's for sure. And, you know, and, and there's always going to be pe people who say, you know, I'm taking the Homer look at this. I just want to point out pro football focus, who has actually been low on Drew Locke in some of his good games, came out and said it very well could have been the best game of his career. And, and so, like, I'm not the only one saying this. If you watch the game, you watch the film, you know that this very well could have been the best game of Drew Locke's career had his receivers made a few plays for him. Like I said, the reality is probably somewhere in between. Um, you're not going to get every tough catch from your receivers. Even, you know, the one on Albert, oh, the second one on Albert Okwebunam. Uh, he, you know, he had it knocked out of his hands. Is that a drop? Well, kind of, kind of. I thought he could have done a much better job protecting the ball after he got it into his hands. Um, but in the end, that's a nice play from the defense. So that goes into my point of you can't expect them to make every play. Now, a few things that I think we need to acknowledge here. I really... I think that if this exact game happened last year and it was Drew Locke's eighth start or seventh, you know, if you take away that Pittsburgh game, which I kind of do, uh, if, it, if it was Drew Locke's seventh or eighth start and he started week one last year, I really think people would be giving him a lot more of the benefit of the doubt, especially because the Broncos would be five and three or five and two, depending on your perspective here. And everyone would be saying like, Look, man, Broncos just keep winning football games, uh, and Drew Locke is the leader of this team. But because he had, you know, he came in when the Broncos were cooked for last season, and he comes in this season when the Broncos are down one and three, I think it really changes everyone's perspective. Everyone's in a hypercritical mood. That's one thing that I want to point out. Do you have any? Do you agree? Yes, but I do still think there there would be people on one side, especially if the record was good, if this was from week one to week seven or eight, 
that would be just saying Tim Tebow. You know, th- this guy is Tim Tebow. The people that don't want to believe, they're not going to be convinced from yesterday's performance. They're not going to be convinced for, from watching the fourth quarter because it, it looked like the, the Broncos offense was going to absolutely blow the game for them. They're not going to be convinced by the stat line. So I, I think that would be a much smaller percentage of people, Ryan. Yes, I, I do agree. But I think people would look at the record and say, man, this guy's just winning. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and here's the other thing I want to point out. The difference, one of the many differences, but the big difference between a lot of NFL quarterbacks, including Drew Locke and Patrick Mahomes, is the ability to overcome negative plays. And so I can go back and I can dig up what Drew Locke would have done if they didn't drop the ball. But the reality of it is, is Patrick Mahomes... It wouldn't have mattered if they dropped the first one because he would have just made the same play the next time and they would have caught it. So I was actually surprised to see how many of these plays happened on third down where Drew Locke didn't have a chance to go back and avenge it, but it wasn't all of them. And so that was one thing I thought is, okay, what makes an offense and a quarterback really great is their ability to overcome negative plays, whether that's a sack, whether that's a penalty, whether it's third and 20, which – Drew Locke did convert one of those yesterday. Or whether it's a drop when you have second and 10 from the from the 11-yard line and you get a drop in the end zone. The great ones and, and the successful ones are able to make that next play. Uh, and that's to me, is the big next jump for Drew. That, you know, we talk about margin of error so much. And I said yesterday the Broncos' margin for error with, with Drew Locke and Phillip Lindsay and the defense playing well went up dramatically but it's still not high on the offensive side of the ball. They just aren't good enough on offense to be able to overcome a drop. And that's the next step. But again, it's really important to note that Drew Locke hasn't even played half a season worth of games. He has an opportunity to get there. And I'm a big believer that he will. Well, and here's what's very interesting too, is against the Jets, you played the worst team in the league. So you got to see how your team fared against the worst team in the league. You didn't have Drew, so it wasn't a great example, but you still won. Uh, against the Patriots, borderline playoff team. I, I think we all agree that, you know, they, they have a chance to make the playoffs. Maybe they finish seven and nine, eight and eight. So you got to see against an average to maybe above average team how they played. And you know what? The Broncos got to win both of those games on the road. Now you turn around next week and you get to play the elite. You get not not just in a team, but in a quarterback. So it's going to be a great gauge because the Broncos have won uh, against the bad team. They've won against the potential playoff team, 8-8 eight and eight team. Uh, and now you get to see how they stack up against the Chiefs. Ryan, if the Broncos get blown out against the Chiefs, it, it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be a huge surprise. Uh, and it shouldn't then come down and say, well, all the Broncos can do uh, is beat the Jets. No, because the, the Chiefs are on a whole nother level here. Uh, if the Broncos keep up with the Chiefs, and let's say they lose by three, Wow, then that is impressive that that they are able to hang with the elite, something that they frankly just have not been able to do consistently since Peyton Manning left. So I love that we get this progression, one, two, and three. And next week is at home against the Chiefs who are coming off a short week. Yeah, that Chiefs game is going to be an interesting litmus test. And I use that term litmus test lightly because it's not like a if you win, you're legit, and if you lose, you're garbage. But it is a, can you compete? Because they just showed that, you know, like I said, two weeks ago, everyone thought the Patriots were one of the best teams in the AFC. The Broncos just showed they could go on the road and beat them. 
uh, and beat them pretty handily and probably should have blown them out uh, again if they make a couple more plays. The Chiefs are a different animal. They are the elite of the elite when it comes to when, when it comes to the league right now. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. They're a team that everyone expects to win every single game, including tonight on Monday Night Football. You don't have to beat them, but you have to show that you can play with them. Last season, the Broncos weren't even close. In fact, the Patriot, the, the Chiefs brought in their backup quarterback and still blew out the Broncos. So you have to show that you can compete with them. And if you just, I mean, I'm talking play them close for three quarters. You know, keep the game within reaching distance for three quarters. I think you come out of that game feeling a lot better as a team. The Broncos aren't there yet. Not with their quarterback, not with their defense, not with their offense, not with their coaching. But you got to show that you are at least on a path towards being able to compete with them. One last thing I want to say on Drew Locke that I don't think people are acknowledging. And Zach, you were a big purveyor of this stat heading into this game this week. Bill Belichick against first or second year quarterbacks heading into yesterday's game had won 22 out of his last 23 games against first or second year starting quarterbacks. Zach, no first or second year quarterback in the league right now, or sorry, no quarterback in the league right now when they were a first or second year quarterback ever had gone to Foxborough and won a game. Drew Locke is the only quarterback in the league right now that's active that can say he went to Foxborough in one of his first two seasons and won a football game. The only other quarterbacks who can say they've even beat the Patriots in their first or second year at home, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not trying to say that that because he won the because the Broncos won the game, which we know is very much on the back of their defense, that Drew Locke you know, deserves to be in the echelon of that quarter, those quarterbacks. But what I am saying is when you're looking at that stat line, understand that you are going up against the single best coach in NFL history at making life difficult on young quarterbacks. And on top of that, Ryan, Drew is the youngest quarterback to ever win in Gillette Stadium. Ever. So, I mean, j- just to add to that, and, and that's why uh, I think this is more than just a tweet. You know, it's why we're talking about today. We talked about yesterday. I wrote a detailed article uh, explaining all of this yesterday because the stat line is straight up terrible, terrible. But you do have to account uh, for the four touchdowns that hit receivers' hands and body, three of them on separate drives, the the drop by Deshaun Hamilton. You do have to account for those things, and you have to account for the degree of difficulty that this game is going up against Bill Belichick, just how he torments young players and what drew lock was able to do by doing that. And Ryan, if, if the Broncos aren't able to convert field goals into touchdowns, moving forward, they're, they're probably going to lose 80% of games that they play from here on out. But if they start converting and only start converting some, we didn't, we didn't talk about yesterday, how, Man, what if the Broncos get seven touchdowns instead of six six field goals? No, no, no. What if the Broncos get two touchdowns instead of two field goals? This game is this is a this is a blowout. The Broncos will be able to compete with the Chiefs. The Broncos that I saw yesterday will be able to compete with the Chiefs in six days if they're able to convert half of those. Now, if it maybe even if they convert two of them, but 
If they're not able to, then it's going to be a long, long day because Patrick Mahomes is not going. I mean, we, we saw that you can beat the Patriots with field goals. I guarantee you, you will not be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs with field goals. But I saw it where the Broncos were able to get in those positions. They were able to put themselves in scoring positions. They had the chances. The ball was there at, at times. So uh, the the hope and the excitement is through the roof for, from, from what I saw from Drew yesterday. Absolutely. And, and you're right. If the Broncos, if, if Drew Locke makes those exact same throws next week and the, and the receivers just make the catches, the Broncos will be in the game. It's not like the, you know, obviously you can get pass rush, but I'm saying once the ball is in the air, those throws were perfect. All the receiver had to do was catch them. It's not like you, you could say, oh, well, the Chiefs, he won't be able to make those throws. No, as long as, you know, they protect him the way they did, which huge helmet sticker to the offensive line for being able to protect Drew, give him time to make those throws downfield, uh, which has been a huge problem in the early goings of his career. They they will if they make those plays they'll be in the game like it's as simple as that and I think that's got to be a comforting feeling for the Broncos as they go into this week of preparation. It's just like yeah. all we got to do is make the plays. They're they're out there for us. It's not as if they're not out there. Just make the plays and we're going to be in this game. Um, I think that's got to be what the coaching staff is telling them. I think that's what Drew Locke is telling his offense, and that, and that has to be a really good feeling for this team as they prepare for this game against quite arguably the best team in the league. One thing that may help them in the red zone, I'm not going to say categorically it will because we saw them have red zone issues against the Titans. But one thing that may help them is getting Noah Fant back. And both of us expect that Noah Fant will play this weekend against the Chiefs. And Zach, I want to ask you this. Are we already ready to see the Noah Fant, Albert Okawebunam package? Like, Because like whenever I've thought about that, I've thought about it like next year, the year after, in the future. I was kind of surprised to see Albert Okuebunam come in and be such a big part of the game plan and be such a big contributor. I hate that he didn't have like the best first game for any tight end ever, which I think might have been possible if he just made a few more plays. Um, but is that are we ready to see that this Sunday? I don't care if we're ready. I don't care if Pat Shermer is ready, if Vic Fangio is ready, if you're ready, Ryan. I don't care because Drew Locke is ready for it. And he showed me that yesterday by just putting all his confidence in Albert O time and time again. Oh, yeah, you had a really tough pass. That first one was really, really tough. Would have been incredibly hard. He said, I don't care that you missed that. Here's another one. Uh, it kind of went through your hands in the back of the end zone. I don't care. Here's another one. I mean, he just kept going his way so drew Locke, we knew that he loved him through 17 touchdown passes to him drew's final two seasons at missouri drew's ready for him so you know what you give your quarterback what he wants and that is noah fant and albert okuebunam on the field at the same time and ryan it shouldn't be hard for the broncos to convince themselves uh that that is the right thing to do not just from what i said uh but also jake butt a great story he, he, he can play in this league, but what I saw from Albert Okuebunam, he was getting more open than Jake Butt has this season. And Nick Vanette, um, yeah, no. In terms of a receiver, he's not going to get it done. So when you when you want a couple receiving tight ends on the field, it's Albert Okuebunam is your number two. So absolutely, I'm putting those two guys on the field right away against Kansas City next week. Yeah, absolutely. And quickly, to anyone who's watching on YouTube, 
uh, or uh, yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, hit us with a like uh, on the video. Hit us with a subscribe on the right. If you want to get real saucy with it, hit us with a there's a little bell next to that subscribe button that sets you up to get alerts anytime we go live from this channel. So hit that one as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Zach, I liked what you said. I don't care who is ready for it. And I don't even care if Drew's ready for it. If you want to beat the Chiefs, and Drew is ready for it. If you want to beat the Chiefs, you got to throw something special at them. And I think this is what they have. The Broncos have this in the bag. Just try it. What do you have to lose? Put both of those guys out there. I know Alberto Kuebunam. I'm really trying not to say that. Uh <laughs> I know Albert Okwebunam is not a great run blocker, and you are going to have to run the ball well to beat this team. So you don't have to do it on every play. But mix it in. Mix this in because I want to see if a defense can defend it. I don't know if they can, and I want to see that up close and personal. Who? Okay, so, you know, who are you going to use? Who are you going to use? You're going to use your best stopper. If, if, if Noah Fant is having a good game, you're going to use your best stopper to try and d- d- stop the ball from going through him. That's probably Tyron Matthew. Yep. Okay, then what? So what are you going to do on Albert Okwebunam? Because you – it's the same mismatch. It's the same mismatch no matter who you put on him. Yes, Noah Fant's a better player, but the mismatch is the same. You're talking about a six foot five guy who can run right past you, and that's exactly what both of these guys are. So I think they have to pull it out this week if Noah Fan's healthy. Uh, and you can see which way it goes. Maybe uh, because he's the more healthy one, you, you, you know, you're putting uh, Albert Okwebunam in the positions to make those plays, and you're using Noah as a bit of a decoy for him. Or it's the other way around. And, uh, you know, th- th- that Noah is going out there and making those plays because they just don't know who to defend. So you have to bust it out this week. It's like... You know, I, I reference this all the time, but, you know, the, the Dolphins way back when, I don't even remember what year it was, they knew they didn't have a chance to beat the Patriots straight up that year. So they came up with something new, and that's where the Wildcat was born. And they beat them in that game because the Patriots just didn't have enough time to figure out how to stop it. So that's how you surprise a team that's much better than you. You bring them out, you bring out something that puts them in a position where they simply just don't know how to stop it, and you run it down their throats over and over and over again. Yep, exactly. And let's say the the Chiefs do respect Albert Okwebunam just after he got the six targets yesterday. Well, then all that's going to do, and and they respect Noah Fant, which they should, all that's going to do, Ryan, is then open up Jerry Judy, who yesterday we saw needs a little bit of help, you know, to take some pressure off. He had five targets, two catches for 32 yards yesterday. His worst game in the pros by far. Am I worried about Jerry Judy? Absolutely not. I mean, rookies are going to have bad games. Any receiver is going to have a rough couple of games. But that's a guy that you can turn to. Tim Patrick, maybe he's the fourth option that uh, that the Chiefs try to take away. Well, we know what he can do when he's throwing the ball back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, and then, of course, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. Didn't see much of Philip Lindsay out of the backfield yesterday. In fact, saw nothing from him out of the backfield yesterday. You're going to have Melvin Gordon back, who I know the coaching staff is at least more comfortable throwing the ball to. So that's another weapon that you add there. So put all of your weapons on the field. If Albert Okuwebunam isn't up for the task and, you know, he struggles again next week, well, then, you know, you, you, you can slowly move him back to more of a developmental year the following week. Uh, and w- especially because you'll be getting KJ Hamler back. And that, that's okay. But right now, throw everything at the Chiefs right now. So quickly, Zach, 
We think Noah will be back. Do you think AJ Boye will be back? I do think AJ Boye will be back. Not as certain as I am with Noah, though, just because they still have him on IR, but I do think he'll be back. Uh, do you think KJ will be back? I don't. Uh, I don't. I think he starts practicing this week, and they kind of do that two-week ramp-up period, and especially with the hamstring, the second hamstring this year, actually the third hamstring this year since he was dealing with one at the Combine, too. I think they take it one extra week. And this one's really important. Do you think Elijah Wilkinson will be back? <laughs> uh, no, no, <laughs> certainly not. Oh, man. Uh, that that one's – I'm going to continue losing sleep over that. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand how the Broncos coaching staff couldn't see what any anyone could see. Um, okay, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you. Here it is. And this will finish up the live portion of the show. Zach, do you want the – just – I'm always interested in people's theories on this. Do you want the Chiefs to win or lose tonight? Oh, from man. a Broncos perspective, if yeah. you're if you're you know Vic Fangio sitting at home and watching or Drew Locke sitting at home and watching the game tonight, what do you want to happen? Oh man, you want them to win. You, you want them to win because I can't imagine the fury that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes would be bringing to empower field at mile high. If they're going on a two game losing streak to two AFC teams, one of them being in the division. And now if they lose tonight, you could build the argument that, wow, back to back games, maybe the chiefs have lost something. And what can we learn from both of those losses and stack onto, but I'm too afraid. (laughs) I'm too afraid of what that would mean. If they win tonight, maybe they ease up a little bit and say, okay, yeah, yeah. We, we know that we're the Super Bowl champs. We know that we just lost one game. You know, we realistically know we're probably going to lose a game or two this season. So now we're going to go beat the Broncos instead of being like super, super focused. There's so many different ways to view this. The one thing I'll say is I think that the blueprint is already out there. Um, the Patriots showed you how to slow them down on offense and the, the Raiders showed you how to expose them on defense. So you don't really need the Bills to show you something, in my opinion. The other thing, though, is like, is there a rhythm involved with this? And, you know, if the Chiefs lose this one, are they out of rhythm? Is there a chance you can continue to keep them out of rhythm? But the thing that I keep coming back to, and I don't think this affects it. I think that fans always think and people like us always think that this affects the the eventual result more than it actually does. But one thing that I keep coming back to is Andy Reid, has the biggest bag of tricks. And I don't just mean trick plays. I just mean ways to screw up a defense. He has the biggest one maybe ever. And if they are coming off a two-game losing streak, he's not going to waste any time risking the opportunity of going to four and three and you know, really putting your chances of getting the number one seed in jeopardy. He's going to go deep into the bag and just make life miserable for the Broncos. He wants, like, a coach wants to hold those things. If he had it his way, they'd run their base offense and cruise through every team and not have to use any of their tricks until the playoffs or maybe even the Super Bowl. He probably has enough to expend the whole bag in the playoffs uh, and keep a whole extra set for the Super Bowl. So what I don't want to happen is a desperate Chiefs team where they're pulling out three or four of their special secret plays that they almost are, are they're very confident in are going to result in touchdowns and the Broncos are just 
cooked early because they have, you know, three one play touchdowns in the first half of the game. So to me, I actually think for this team, maybe more than any others, you don't want them coming in trying to avoid a three game losing streak and falling out of the very top of the AFC playoff race. Yeah, no, you you certainly don't want that. And I expect that that's what we'll see. I think we'll see that the Chiefs get the win tonight. Uh, and maybe, I mean, you don't want to be Buffalo tonight. I know Buffalo is coming off their first loss, so maybe they have that same attitude. But, man, I trust the Chiefs' attitude and ability to bounce back more than I do Buffalo. So, Ryan, it's a five-point game the last that I saw. I'm taking the Chiefs with the, with the five. And the other thing we didn't say here, Zach, is if they lose – tonight you are technically still alive for the division but i think both of us don't think that's uh that's kind of a moot point i don't think that broncos should much be more should be much more worried about the wild card positioning uh than they are (laughs) worried about trying to catch the chiefs for the afc west exactly exactly but what's crazy if the chiefs lose tonight and the broncos beat them they're only half a game back of the chiefs that is very crazy all right well that's going to wrap it up for the live portion, of course, we're going to keep rolling on the podcast side. But to everyone who listened on the live side of things, thank you guys. All right. Thanks to everyone who's still rolling with us on the podcast side of things. And of course, like I told the people who are watching on YouTube, I'll tell you guys, have a, head over to iTunes, hit us with a review. We appreciate those immensely. There's tons of great ones on there from all you guys. But I know there's more of you who haven't left a review yet. So would love, would love if you would. Uh, and also would love if you got yourself some damn good beers that's right breckeridge brewery a massive partner of dnvr they've been riding with us from the start we've got eight breck brews on the tap down here at the dnvr bar and you could try them here you can try them from your local liquor store you can head on to the breck farmhouse where they have delicious food along with delicious beers or you can hop on the breck brew locator and find out where the nearest ones are to you to get and which beers they have down there i personally Love me a strawberry sky, or of course you can make an RK special, half strawberry sky, half hot peak IPA. But whatever types of beers you love, Breckenridge Brewery has something for you. Mm, and we told you we would take the Chiefs tonight. I would take them with the points. And if you want to get in on the action yourself, head to DraftKings Sportsbook. And with week seven coming up in just a few days, DraftKings Sportsbook has given all new users a chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to one thousand dollars when using the promo code dnvr DraftKings sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet from live betting to your favorite players they do it all and don't worry if you don't want to bet on football because it's too near and dear to your heart well they're giving all mma and baseball fans who sign up now the chance to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars by betting on either this weekend's ufc 254 or by taking action on any baseball championship game which is now the world series DraftKings is safe secure reliable making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience so head to the app store now and download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code dnvr when you sign up to get a sign up bonus up to one thousand dollars that's code dnvr to get a sign up bonus up to one thousand dollars for a limited time only only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older colorado only bonus comprised of the first deposit bonus and the first bet match each up to five hundred dollars Deposit bonus requires 25 ties playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Zach, let's jump into the questions from the listeners. The first one here comes in from Onion Town Links. He says, I love how the only narrative in the national media is that the poor Patriots were helpless to defend their honor with little practice, injuries piling on, and just barely getting their quarterback get, uh, back. 
Yeah, okay, guys. The indignation directed at the Patriots' loss is unbelievable in my eyes. These spoiled New England brats had it coming. Tom ain't in town, and they ain't the shit anymore. But, of course, that means this was unfair because beating a team famous for cheating in their own stadium is apparently uncalled for. Obviously, a lot of assholes in the national media – I probably shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Earmuffs. Uh, <laughs> had to collect a few hundred dollars on this one and watched it fly away. Moving on. So you say there's a game plan available to beat the Chiefs. Well, if deep balls and a four-man rush is what it takes, damn it, those were the only two things we couldn't do through five games. But like my dad, a Packers fan, said this evening, if you guys had Noah Fant and Melvin Gordon this week, it would have been a 30-10 to 10 game. And what kind of butt-whooping would have, been, uh, would have had me more convinced? Better receivers and an ability to run for touchdowns would have resulted in a blowout for us, and Drew's stat line would have been more like 22 of 30 for 270 yards, two touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Couldn't stop smiling today, guys. And I'm proud to say I pulled an RK and woke up this morning feeling a wind coming on. It was in the air, even up here in Washington State. Sorry for the long comment, but the wind made it all worth it. Links. <laughs> I love it. Love it, Links. And, yeah, I mean, you'll have Noah Fant and Melvin Gordon back next week, in my opinion. We'll see what that can do against the Chiefs. Uh, and McCaffrey addict said those stat lines Drew could have had are such baloney. He also could have had five-plus interceptions if you include the drops or near picks by Tats, uh, Pat's tight coverage all day long. Zach, I can't remember one dropped pick by the Patriots. I can't either uh, off the top of my head, but I do understand how people are going to say, you know, uh, don't give me what could have been. Anything could have been. Uh, yeah, I just think that one is – I'm really trying to rack my brain here to see if there was a, a dropped interception. And I don't, I don't have one, but maybe I, there, was, I, there, there was certainly not five. I can say that with 100% confidence. <laughs> I agree with that. Vic only Fangio. Ugly game, but happy for the dub. And we definitely have a lot to do uh, after snapping the drought in Foxborough. Defense was awesome. And although box score geniuses will rip lock, it cannot be overstated how much the receivers let him down. OJ was legit. Chubb looks close to 100%. Alberto, aside from the drops, looks like a weapon. Can't wait for him and Fan to be on the field together. But my favorite takeaway is the offensive tackles. Bowles continues to play great, and I still uh, am mystified as to why, what they saw in Eli over Dotson, who had another solid day. From arguably the biggest question mark on the team to one of the position groups I have the most confidence in, much love, Broncos fan. And again, Ryan, McCaffrey Natick chiming in and says, can someone tell me how many actual drop recorded drops we had as a team? I saw the one close in the back of the end zone by Big O, which he still could have had out of bounds, or the knocked the ball out by the defender. Hamilton had a tough drop down the sideline with Gilmore in front of him, so he probably couldn't even see the ball. I'm probably missing some, but the rest were just super contested and well defended. So how many are actual drops on the stat line. I can't find it. Uh, I was only counting the ones that were big, but I had five. Uh, four of which were should have been caught balls. Um, three, sorry, yeah, yeah. And then the fifth one was a little more borderline, uh, and four of them were in the end zone. So I don't, I didn't count just the the everyday plays, but at least five. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Alberto had two that should have been caught that went through his hands. I'm not putting that first one on him because it was highly, highly contested. Mm -hmm. It would have been incredibly difficult. Um, and then you have Deshaun Hamilton as well. And Jerry Judy. Right sideline. And, and Jerry Judy as well. So there, there's four that would have been big plays, three of them for touchdowns. And, you know, again, you can do this what-if thing all day. 
if Jerry Judy catches that ball, he's got, you know, three catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. It goes from being his worst game as a pro to his best game as a pro. Yeah, I'm not giving him that, though, because that was – No, no, I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm counterpointing my own point about Drew Locke. Right, right. Chico Bean, chiming in next, says, hey, guys, new subscriber here. Glad to join. Ryan, we got him. I'm we from- got him. I'm from Omaha, Omaha, and I just wanted to say that I had to, I had to subscribe so I can tell Mace that my Dodgers won. Let's Ouch. go, but also go Broncos. Wasn't pretty, but a dub is a dub. Well, use that, uh, that comment power to comment again this week when Mace is on. No, don't. Mr. Mace. He's, a, he's an Atlanta fan. Give the guy a break. Um, Tommy Bronco, hello, guys. It's been a while, but boy, do I have something for you. In my adrenaline-filled excitement, I told my best friend, who has continually made fun of my Broncos' misery while also telling me Drew Locke is garbage. At this moment, I made a wager with him. It may have been an extremely cocky wager, but a wager nonetheless. I bet him that if the Broncos win against the Chiefs, he had to wear a shirt that said, my quads are small for two days. Anytime he talks to someone, he has to say his quads are small. FYI, he's a bodybuilder. (laughs) On the flip side, if the Chiefs beat the Broncos, I have to wear an I love Tom Brady shirt for two days, Anytime I have to talk to someone, I have to tell them I love Tom Brady. I despise TB12 and can give you a documentary as to why he isn't the GOAT, but that's a top for another time. Anyways, would DNVR bets take that bet? Probably not, but hey, high risk, high reward. Here's the hoping I'm not wearing that shirt come next Monday. Cheers, Tommy Bronco. Ah, Tommy, my guy. <laughs> got to log on to DraftKings Sportsbook and see what the odds are before you make these wagers. You probably should have only had to wear your shirt for one day, and he probably should have had to wear his shirt for a whole week if, they, if, they, if he loses. Yeah, or at least tell me that you get the spread or something, but from uh, that comment, it doesn't sound like you got a fair bet there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like the confidence, but you've got to be a little better negotiator. It's probably going to have you saying, screw this. And our next comment coming in from screw this. Am I, am, I am all for deep balls, but only if it is the right time. It seemed like every pass was 20 plus yards. But when you are up and trying to waste time, how about throwing some more slants? I mean, you have Judy and Hamilton who are great route runners, especially Hamilton. I do not want to see him go deep anymore. I feel like the Broncos aren't playing to Jerry's strengths. He is a yard after catch machine, but they aren't scheming him for it. Hopefully, we can get Slant City involved next game. I would also like to point out, this is the same defense that held the Chiefs to two field goals for three quarters. We had six, and three of those should have been touchdowns if our receivers didn't eat butter before the game. Wow. Um, I agree. I agree that the Broncos aren't using Jerry Judy the way he should be used. In fact, I'm shocked that they haven't targeted him more in the red zone with his ability to create separation in tight windows. Um, so I'm hoping that that's something that they learn over time. But this is exactly the problem I mentioned when Cortland Sutton went down. It just makes Jerry Judy's life a lot, e- a lot harder and a lot easier when Cortland's out there. Now he's being forced to run some of the routes that aren't exactly um, the best for his skill set, but they're the ones that in the offense that he, in the way that he fits into it. So I think the Broncos could do a better job, you know, use Tim Patrick more in that Cortland role, which they are doing most of the time. Um, but I think KJ Hamler coming back will also help a lot with this situation because um, then he can, you know, you can kind of move these guys around and stretch the defense in different ways and allow Jerry more, uh, more room underneath. 
Yeah, Jerry's got to have more than, than two receptions, and, and that's on everyone, including Jerry himself. Love Thunder down under. What a time to be alive. Drew excited me for the future. Warts and all yesterday. So did Oge, the big O-face, and many others. But the most exciting thing, Anthony Ciccolo. Not him specifically, but what he represents. When we are paying big money to a star-studded offense, I have no issues seeing what big beep Vic makes happen with random homeless people and mid-round rookies. I don't know what it is, but Vic seems to pull out any high-quality product week in and week out, regardless of who is out there. Not perfect always, but man, talk about making something from nothing with some of these guys. In Madden terms, he seems to make every player sub-75 rating a 75 rating. Also, pay Shelby Harris now. Just do it. You'll get amazing value by taking the injury risk off the table for him. Don't be a bunch of beeps. Also, I'm calling it now. Broncos will beat the Chiefs. Receivers will catch touchdown passes and will not drop them. And Vic will keep the Chiefs to 24. Broncos win 31-24 with Oge Pitt to seal the game. Remember this post. Well, we certainly will if that happens. Um, the one thing that I'm seeing a lot of the last couple of days that I just don't think is going to happen is the pay Shelby Harris narrative. Um, I just think the Broncos, they're only, the only reason Shelby's back is because he couldn't get any money and they were like, uh, uh, yeah, we'll give you that deal. Um, but I, I don't see that happening again. Um, not that Shelby won't get paid. I just think the Broncos are going to do the exact same thing where they sit and wait and then someone will go ahead and give him, you know, a two-year contract worth $8 million or something like that. Yeah, and well, I think if, 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 if it's going to be that cheap, then I can see it happening. But Shelby's going to be one to be paid again. I mean, that, that's what he wanted last year. That's why it seemed like he was gone from the Broncos because he wanted to be paid. I don't think after this year, having maybe the best year of his career, that he's just going to say, you know what, I'm okay with a, a big hometown discount. I think he's going to want to get paid, and I don't think that's going to happen here as of now. Real quick to interrupt, uh, an awesome stat just came out from Nick Cosmiter. He says, Bradley Chubb has created nine combined pressures since week four, according to Sport Radar, tied for Shaq Barrett and Aaron Donald for the NFL lead during that stretch. The only difference? Chubb has played two games in that span. Both Barrett and Donald have each played three. How about that, Zach? Yeah, incredible. Uh, Bradley Chubb has really taken off these past couple games, has uh, three and a half sacks in the past two games as well. Pretty, pretty impressive uh, from Bradley Chubb. Next one from Welsh Bronco 170. Hey, guys. Nice Monday morning from the UK with a win in New England. Keeping it short, Mace has really grinded my gears with his slightly negative outlook on Drew. The reasoning behind this is that the pass to Hamilton uh, was – over the top ranked cornerback in the league, and it was an elite throw. It passed the eye test. It was incredible. The fact that the supporting cast let Drew down, um, that's where the blame should be aimed at. If the drop TDs were thrown to Fant and Sutton, they wouldn't have been drops, and the QBR is considerably higher in this game. Drew is progressing perfectly with the future looking bright. Stay safe, Welsh Bronco. Well, and that's what a lot of people uh, were saying last night, as well as. Are those touchdowns being caught if it's Noah Fant instead of Albert O? You know, Ryan, we'll, we'll never know, but I do like having Noah Fant in there for those. And uh, definitely, uh, if my money's on it, I'm saying that he catches at least one of those as well. I think so, too. Kirk Smith, 44. My boys, victory Monday. Let's enjoy it. A few thoughts after the game. First, Drew looks good. He's poised in the pocket, understands the offense, and is making good throws all over the field. 
I don't know what happened on the first interception, but the second was a bad decision, but also a bad play call in that situation. If Judy catches the ball on the first drive, Albert catches either of the balls in the end zone, or Deshaun ever caught anything, we would be talking about Drew's breakout nationally. People looking at the final stats need to watch the game. Second, this attack mode defense is what we have been calling for for months, and it looks awesome. I don't know what it will do, what it will be able to do against Kansas City, but I think it will produce better results down the road. Three for Mr. B. Four, at what point in the game will we ever feel comfortable with the lead? Up 21 with three minutes? The coaching staff continues to find ways to rip our hearts out. Why are we throwing bombs on first and 10 when all you need is two first downs? Just wondering what you guys think and when that'll change. Man, I don't know, but geez, did they call a terrible game with the lead. Um, I Everyone tightened up. It wasn't just Drew Locke. It wasn't just Pat Shermer. I could see it across the team. The offensive line tightened up. Just, uh, just bad. But I will say, every time you win one of those games, you get a little more comfortable the next time you're in that scenario. So we'll see what happens uh, against the Chiefs. I have to say, if the Broncos were up 18-3 to against the Chiefs, with 12 minutes left, I would be terrified based on what we saw this last week uh, in terms of their execution with a 15-point lead. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. The Chiefs can come back from anything at any time. So put them away the smart way, Ryan, the smart way. Next one coming in from Vic Fangio's sweater. Don't get the Drew Lock hate. He moved the ball and got into the red zone. All this without Sutton, Fant, Gordon, and Hamler. The more time they spend together, the better they, they will become. And how did that defense look? Four sacks and three turnovers? Again, without Vaughn, Casey, Boye, and a few more. This team will go places. It's exciting. I completely, uh, you know, I agree that they just need more time to gel. You know, the, this offense is mostly just guys who, who are all being put together for the first time yesterday, really, that group as a whole. Al Albert Okuebunam, you know, um, Drew looking at Tim Patrick as his number one. You go across the board. That's a brand new offense out there yesterday. And I love what we've seen from Vic not being afraid to bring the pressure these last two games. Am I right? Or Amarillo says, you feel old when you hear a statement like the Broncos haven't won in New England since September of 06, and that doesn't feel like forever ago. When you still remember every detail of the game, from Javon Walker's 80-yard touchdown to where you watch the game. By the way, I watched that one in my girlfriend, now wife's dorm, on a 12-inch television. That's awesome. <laughs> on to more important things. Anyone upset about yesterday's game needs to buck up. Yes, the Broncos made some late mistakes that could have been costly. No, it wasn't a perfect game. But the team found a way to get the dub against a very good football team. I'll take an ugly win over a beautiful L any day of the week. Smile. We won. I could not agree more. I, I, I cannot get over the hand-wringing over a win over the Patriots on the road. Ryan, it, it, healthy. it reminds me of the Peyton Manning days where, you know, a win wasn't good enough. In fact, some seven, 10 point wins were good enough. You, you had to absolutely crush a team for it to feel good. The only difference is this team isn't used to winning. They're not like Peyton Manning where you expected to win. No one, I guess, Ryan, you expected to win yesterday, but Vegas certainly didn't. Almost a 10 point underdog. So I, I agree with you, Amarad or Amarillo. When you take a step back, you have to be thrilled. Now, I think it's okay to you know, be nitty-picky and, and, and especially look at Drew in the fourth quarter and look at the play calling in the fourth quarter because that's how you get better by looking at those things. But overall, no, you got to be thrilled with getting a win, keeping this season alive. Yep, I agree. From maybe the Dingo H or Baby, 
Not a knock, but no offense catches those TDs. So here's my question. You guys were talking about play calling, and I was wondering how the headsets are wired. Is Shermer telling Drew the plays through an open line while Vic and the rest of the coaches listen but don't speak? Or, yes, that is it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Uh, and he can actually speak to Drew up to 15 seconds on the play clock. Uh, is that, that's correct, right? Uh, yep, exactly. Okay, 15. I thought that was right. Um, and it was interesting. I was on Broncos Beat this morning, uh, and Cecil Lammy was on there, and he was saying, like, uh, he, you know, he wants to see when Drew Locke is making these checks at the line because he thinks that Shermer is just telling him what to do. And in my opinion, like, so? Uh, that, that doesn't matter to me. You know, like, um, Jared Goff made it to a Super Bowl with Sean McVay telling him what to do with, with uh, 15 seconds or more on the clock. Um, use what, what's at your disposal. You don't need your quarterback to be able to do it without the offensive coordinator because the offensive coordinator is allowed to do that. Right. And do you want him relying on everything being told to him? No, uh, of course you don't. But if there's things that help Drew's transition, since he's making his eighth career start, that's important and that can't be lost, right? You expect those to probably go away as time moves on, just like the wristband last year. So many people make a big deal out of it. I thought if it helps him, especially making his first couple starts in the NFL, then let him do it. Ryan, is he, is he reading a novel before each play now? No, he doesn't need the wristband, uh, and he's not reliant on it anymore. I'm totally fine with it, right? Yeah, now. I mean, it's like um, using your navigation system to get to the destination. Like, if you show up on time, no one says, yeah, but did you use your nav system? No one cares. You got there. All that matters is that you get to the destination. I don't care if Drew Locke uses a wristband every single game for the rest of his career, and his offensive coordinator has to tell him when to check at the line every single game for the rest of his career, as long as, they, as long as they're winning. You know, if for some reason you lose a game because Drew Locke wasn't able to make a check at the line, that's, you know, that's a different conversation to have. But the kid's five and two. Uh, so I'm not at all worried about those sort of things right now. Yeah, I don't think you want the offensive coordinator telling him what to do for his whole career, but I don't think that's going to be the case, Ryan. I, I think it's something where he, you know, he helps you at the beginning, and then you start taking it a, as you go. Remember, he's only made eight starts. Right, but I, all I'm saying is if they somehow you know, won a Super Bowl – uh, and Drew Locke still had the wristband on. No one's complaining about it. Of course not. No. Before we move on, a big shout out to WGT Golf. Uh, it's the most realistic free golf game, and it's loved by more than 20 million players around the world. You can play WGT Golf, of course, from the comfort of your couch, or you can do it anywhere on the go. I like to play it at the airport. That's that's where I really lock in and, and get those low scores. If you want to play. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download the app. And once you download it, go in there, go into the country club section and join DNVR3. There are hundreds of DNVR members in the country clubs and you can join them, you can challenge them, you can go up against them in our weekend tournaments. It's a ton of fun. So again, head over to dnvrgolf.com to download WGD Golf and get in on all the fun. Do you like rugby? Well... If your answer was anything close to yes, I've got the best rugby coverage for you, and that's over at thednvr.com, on Twitter at DNVR Rugby, and on any podcast format at DNVR Rugby, because we have the exclusive coverage, because Infinity Park in Glendale just became the new training center for men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That means Colorado is the place 
for rugby in the United States. That makes DNVR the place for the best rugby coverage of everything American rugby. So make sure to check us out on all of those platforms. Our guy Colton Strickler does a great job breaking down the game and also breaking down everything that's going on in American rugby. So make sure to check out our coverage at thednvr.com, on Twitter at DNVR Rugby, and on any place you can find podcasts at DNVR Rugby as well. Nick Scott says, all right, can we talk about how bad Deshaun Hamilton is and also and has been since he got here? How does this incompetent nincompoop keep getting opportunities after he consistently uh, ruins our hopes and dreams every <laughs> single time the ball gets within three yards of him? Give me more Jerry Judy. Give me more two tight end sets. Give me more Fred Brown. All that I care, I don't care. Just give, get Hamilton off the field. I'm done with him. Excuse the language. Well, language was excluded from that. Have a good one and bring on the Chiefs. Oh, man. I don't know what to do with Deshaun Hamilton, man. You know, he's a smart player. One thing that he really doesn't get credit for is that he blocks his tail off when he's out there on the field, and that's why he continues to get opportunities to answer that question. But I've never seen someone so averse to making plays when the team needs it. So I, I don't know what to do, Zach. Yeah, well, you, you don't send him deep. If you're going to have him on the field, which the Broncos are in a position now where they have to without Cortland, without uh, K.J. Hamler – uh, you, you send him short, you do slants, you, you do things. You don't put him in an opportunity in, in a huge play. Make that Jerry Judy. Yeah, and I would maybe excuse uh, – because I, I put more blame I, – I, how am I trying to say this? I give Drew less credit for that throw. Why? Because I, I can understand throwing to uh, Deshaun Hamilton if he gets the third best corner. But he was covered by Stephon Gilmore on that play. So that means that Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy were covered by lesser corners. Um, and, and Drew took the shot with the worst receiver on the field against the best corner on the field. Now, he still made a perfect throw. But in the end, that, that wasn't the, probably not the right read. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a fair point. Ernest Hemingway's six-toed cat family. I had a dream last night that Hamilton got benched for Tyree Cleveland and that we re-signed Harris and Bulls. Ah, the sweet perfumes of slumber. Wow, that was a very Count-esque comment there. <laughs> it um, was. What about Cleveland? How do you feel about playing him a little more instead of Deshaun? I mean, I've loved what I've seen from, from Tyree so far, so I'm all for it. Joe Turner, 96, watching Fangio bring the heat on Cam yesterday was real fun. I think it proves that Vic finally trusts the guys that he has back there in the secondary. It looks like he felt more comfortable rushing extra players and being more creative with his safeties. Seriously, I'm so proud of Ojemudia for bouncing back from the slow start. He sure looks like a Fangio player to me, both physically and mentally. All the best guys at Go Broncos. And what I like about Ojemudia is it's not just one game that he's been good that everyone's been able to, to hang their hats on. He's been good for the majority of this season, and so I know that there's enough there. He's going to be a player. From Thick Fangio, Cam has a new daddy, and his name is Malik Reed. That is all. Stay thick. Um, I will have no problem staying thick. Let me, let me tell you that first. Um, as for, yeah, there was, a, there was an adoption yesterday. Um, Don Miller put Cam up for adoption, and Malik Reed stepped in, and I have to say that's a commendable act by him. Man, and Bradley Chubb just absolutely owned Isaiah Wynn. On that sack, he just – Bradley Chubb joy, destroyed Wynn and Cam. Yep, he took, he took Isaiah Wynn for a little joyride. 
<laughs> race city Broncos. Speaking of joy rides. Hey guys, I told you last week that the Patriots weren't one of the teams that worried me. The Broncos team is capable of playing with all, but the very elite in this league and the Patriots just aren't there this year. I love seeing Drew Locke come back and I felt like he played well against the Bill Belichick defense. He's the youngest Q to win in Foxborough for Pete's sake. This offseason, or this offense scored on six straight drives, including two 83-yard drives without three of their top offensive players. I'm excited to see them continue to grow, especially with Noah Fant and Melvin Gordon back in the lineup. My question for you is, what do you think of Albert O's performance, and do you see him getting more playing time based off this game? Who would you replace in the tight, room, tight end room if that happened? Uh, Nick Vanette. Um, Jesus, he has been underwhelming um i i've already taken i've already eaten my crow on this because i thought nick vanette was going to be a difference maker uh and i was wrong um he honestly at this point i i can't even say that he's equal to jeff hireman wow wow yikes i mean his numbers probably aren't going to live up to jeff hireman's no and he's he hasn't been as impactful in the run game as jeff hireman was so I don't know what happened. He looked really good in training camp, and he looks awful on the field. So on game days, you're running out Noah Fan, Alberto, and uh, Jake Butt. Yeah, I mean, you can keep Vanna in there if you're more confident in his blocking than Jake Butt's, but it's moot to me. Um, Noah Fant is actually the best blocking tight end they have. So, you know, I don't know if you necessarily need to have a blocking tight end out there. I'm rolling with those three as well. Going to be curious since Fangio was uh, pretty pretty upset and distraught the last time he had to make Vanette inactive. Wonder if that'll happen again. Real quick, Zach. The Broncos' two, three losses so far come against teams with a combined 14-2 and two record. Now, let's say the Chiefs win tonight and come into Mile High next weekend and beat the Broncos. The Broncos will be 2-4 and four with four losses to teams that are a combined 19 and three. no love from the schedule makers this year that is just that is just insane ryan next one coming in from maybe the dingo ho baby oh no we oh no another one from him he says if everyone is healthy what's our best 11 personnel set and what's our best 12 personnel set is tim patrick good by good enough to force Jerry Judy into the slot opposite Cortland. I think that there's a, an argument to be made for that combination of three. If, uh, if honestly, in any situation, I, it's definitely worth a try. Um, right now you would have to say yes, because we don't know really anything about KJ Hamler, except for that, you know, when he's played, he's been effective. But right now I think, yeah, it might be worth it to go Sutton uh, on one side uh patrick on the other side and judy in the slot that would be a really interesting set and you're actually feeling pretty good about it right now but yeah it's it's all going to depend on how kj evolves if he turns into a second round pick then it is going to be judy kj and Cortland. yeah absolutely next one from ldj okay the good it's surprising to see but you put antoine winfield number one chase young number two and i'd put michael Ojemudia number three for defensive rookie of the year. This kid is going to be special. Wow, that's a high praise, but he has been awesome. Second, as Zach said on Twitter, and I noticed immediately, and we've been begging for it, Albert Ochocinco and Noah Fant is going to be trouble for defenses. Also, Philip Lindsay and the return of Melvin Gordon is going to be trouble for defenses. Bradley Chubb, as promised by Vic Fangio, is back. Broncos country. And the best news of this defense is playing lights out. 
without Vaughn, Jarrell, Draymond, and Bouye, a ton to be excited about for the next 11 games. The bad, Pat Shermer. This is the scariest thing for me because, dear God, we need continuity, and Shermer's giving us little reason to keep him, and there will be firings and some awesome OCs out there like Dirk Cutter. I don't want Locke in another offensive scheme. Get it together, Shermer. And lastly, Drew, I didn't like the ball placement, but I loved the shots he took. But that last interception, Judy was open, and that was a bad decision into the teeth of defense in a crucial moment. That's Bush League. That made me mad. And stuff like that gives Drew a Jimmy G ceiling, not a Matthew Stafford. I can live with him being Stafford, not Jimmy G. Get it together, Drew. Come on. I don't know. I don't think a bad decision like that affects his ceiling, but that's just me. <laughs> right. uh, and just like that, I've been pounding the table for Albert. Oh, I'm going to pound the table for Tyree Cleveland. Can we cut Deshaun ASAP? I'm over it. The Deshaun drop balls experiment is over. Seriously, it's time to let him go. Give someone else a chance. Good win. I know the Chiefs are the Chiefs, but let's be honest. We only got three games of tough defenses left. Chargers and Bills. Locke has a chance to ball out, and we're getting healthy. Melvin back, KJ back, Noah back, AJ Boye. Going to be a hell of a game. It's Locktober next Sunday. And I know a lot of people are, are frustrated that the Broncos didn't get any credit for the game they played last night. And national people aren't seeing, you know, they're just seeing the stat line from Drew. But Ryan, the Broncos have a huge opportunity on their hands next week. If you, if you want to get the credit uh, that, that you think you deserve, beat the Chiefs. And then you'll be on a three-game win streak. Then you will just have beat New England on the road and the Chiefs at home. Then people will look at you. So if you want that attention, it's right there for you. Absolutely. Pig Tosser 66. Watching Phil run is the best thing Broncos country has watched for the last three years. He's the best player on the team. Sorry for the expletives, but there's no other way to get this point across. Philip Lindsay is a bad MFer. Pay that man his effing money. Letting him leave the Broncos would be the single biggest mistake of Elway's run as a front office exec. At that point, it would be time to show him the door. That's what Phil means to this team. Yeah, but Phil is uh, Phil special, and you love when he has the ball anytime. It just looks like a big play could happen at any time. I completely agree. Next one from Elway all the way. My three takeaways from this game. One, Phil is a beast and a true RB1. Melvin is just a good back to spell Phil. Two, Michael Ojemudi is a legit starting corner and a great replacement for Chris Harris. Bosby is good to our secondary, is turning into something special. Three, Drew is the guy the team is different with him at the wheel. Everyone shows fight and enthusiasm. It looks fun. This team may not make it to the playoffs, but needs to stick together for the next year. And beyond no changes in coaching, we need to grow and get rid, and get rid of the suck that has plagued us. Yeah, I, I don't see really any major changes happening on the coaching staff if this season kind of goes the way it is. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking like seven and nine to nine and seven. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, would, I wouldn't expect any changes either. Ernest Hemingway's six-toed cat family. Why well, no Judy short crosses to keep those chains moving? I completely agree. I, could, I just can't believe they haven't manufactured more touches for Jerry Judy um, while he's, you know, moving. Um, drag routes, crossers, um, you know, slants. Just get the ball in his hands and let him go. Screens, for goodness sake. Get, yeah. get it in his hands as soon as possible, without a doubt. Next one coming in from Pig Tosser 66 just says Deshaun Hamilton sucks. Wow. Simple as uh, that. Hard to defend. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, because he is a good guy. Grumpy Pancake coming in says, top of the morning to you. Happy victory Monday. Woo, what a nice. game. Our defense was great. Our kicking game was great. Lindsey was lights out. Okuwebunam showed promise, and despite the turnovers near the end, Locke made me feel confident in this team. 
a great deal of the incompletions were the receivers and not on him. Imagine when we start figuring out how to finish drives. Holy cow, this team has potential to put up 30 to 40 points per game. Honestly, was really annoyed with how the announcers kept harping on how the Pats had no practice, making excuses for them, and couldn't just credit the Broncos with a solid win. Anyways, that's all for me today, gents. Let's go make tomato soup out of the Chiefs. Much love, Colin. Love it. From D-Dubs, fellas, I got to admit, right after the game, I was really down on the Broncos. It felt like we limped our way to the finish line and wasn't feeling great about Drew. Man. But I was able to step back and remove my emotions from the end. I realized how lights out Drew played outside of one to two plays against a top flight defense against a, a goat at head coach. The kid was impressive. And ultimately, I'd blame more of the missteps on Shermer outsmarting himself and pass catchers having an off day than Drew being bad. It did look like things went really off the rails when Reisner got hurt. But otherwise, the O-line played a good, damn good game. I hope we can keep this momentum and put KC on a two-game losing streak. Go Iceman, Dream Killer, HCL, and DNVR. How about this, D-Dubs? Put KC on a three-game losing streak if the Bills are able to beat them at home tonight. Man, I, got, I have a weird feeling about that one, uh, Zach. Tonight? So you wouldn't yep. take KC in the points? <sighs> I mean, I'm going to bet something. Okay. Obviously. It's a, I believe it's a crime to not have action on a primetime game. But I mean, I, Ryan, you, you know I'll be tuning in to, to DNVR bets, but I mean, can, can I get the inside right now? I don't know what I'm going to do yet. <laughs> DNVR bets going live at 2 p.m. Mm, and by then, time. I will have a decision. I just, I don't, I don't necessarily like the bills with the points. I don't necessarily like giving the points from the, from the Chiefs. I kind of think that the Bills might have like a coming out party game. I just don't know. I just don't know. I I like this game in a teaser format. The only problem is I don't know to tease the over or the under. So I don't know either. (laughs) I was thinking of maybe a teaser and teasing like the Bills up to uh, 12 and a half and then combining it with the Cardinals um, and giving them, uh, I think they would get up to eight and a half. Wow. It would be like minus 129 on that, but kind of like that. That might be where I go in the end. Wow. If I was teasing this game, I would definitely take the Chiefs in the points and make it kind of an even game. But So you think it's more likely that the Chiefs win in a blowout than the Chiefs win in a close game? Yeah, I'm, I'm just – I'm too worried about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid saying, yeah, we lost last week. We're going to embarrass whoever our next opponent is. It's fair. That is fair. But I, I mean, I, I do get at home 12 and a half points should be fairly safe for the Bills. Should be. From Bangkok Bronco. Hey, gents. So if this isn't the finest Monday you ever did see, not only did our Broncos pull out a big dub yesterday, but I'm happy to announce that as of today, I've been granted entry to go back to Thailand. I finally have a visa, my certificate, and my certificate of entry has been approved. And the flight is booked. Well, congrats, dude. I know that other people have been affected far worse by this virus, and I'm eternally grateful that I've always had my physical health, food, and a place to stay. But boy, have the last seven months taken a toll on my mental health. Returning to the UK and being trapped here, having to take a job I don't really enjoy to be able to pay my way, and not being able to see my girlfriend and most of my friends since the start of March, but finally there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I still have to wait over a month until I actually go, plus quarantine for two weeks when I arrive, but we're almost there. Sorry for the long comment on a victory Monday because I know there's so many already, but I had to let everyone know because you're part of the reason that I've been able to get through it. I've had so many days where the only thing I looked forward to when I woke up was the content and you guys, at the, uh, you guys and all of the other channels at DNVR would be putting out there. 
I don't know if you realize the impact that you guys can really do on people in terms of brightening their days. Uh, so thanks to you all, all the DNVR staff and all of the DNVR community. Big love to you all. BB out. Man, that just means so much. Absolutely made my day right there. And it really is special having you a part of our community. So thank you for, for the heads up of what's going on. I'm so happy that you got that good news. Yeah, man. Uh, that gave me goosebumps. So, so thank you so much. It did uh, for me. It did for me as well. Next one's from the other Ryan. My boys, we've all heard an old English proverb that goes, good things come to those that wait. Well, the Broncos waited and waited to finally play this game. And in the end, Many things fell in place for a victory. Per usual, the Broncos did have to make things harder on themselves and their fans' hearts and stomachs than was needed, but victory Mondays are always sweet, especially after winning at New England. In the end, I thought it was funny to me that the Broncos defeated the Patriots by Peyton Manning's jersey number, 18, to that of now former Patriot Tom Brady's jersey number, 12. Should we start calling Shelby Harris the master batter? The NV Army salute. <laughs> I'm happy you uh, you said batter because then you read that one. I, I think I would have been tricked into that one, Ryan. That is, uh, yeah, you probably would have. But 18 to 12, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen anyone say that one yet. No, I, have, I haven't either. Next one coming in from DTL. So can we agree the Broncos are a much better team than the league thinks? Our losses are only from teams that are Super Bowl contenders this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point, Ryan. That, that stat of who the Broncos have beat um, or, or yeah, who's beat the Broncos is pretty incredible. And, and those two losses are what Casey has one to the Raiders. The Raiders look good. Uh, and the Titans lost to um, the wait, who did, who did the Titans lose to? No, they're undefeated. Yes. The Titans are undefeated. The Steelers are undefeated and the Buccaneers are four and two. The Buccaneers. Right, right, right. Yep. Yep. Man. Pretty incredible. And the Buccaneers' two losses came to the Saints. Who was the other one? Um, the Saints and uh, – well, I can't remember off the top of my head. But speaking of that game last night, woo, man, Tom Brady just took it to Aaron Rodgers. I've never seen a, um, a momentum swing so dramatic. Uh, the Packers were in complete control of that game. And then Rodgers throws that pick six and like the game just completely flipped on its head. Like they couldn't do a single thing the rest of the game. It was wild. Yeah, seriously. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just totally, totally lost it. And at one point in the game, he had nearly the exact same stat line that Drew Locke had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last one here from McCaffrey and Attic. I'm halfway through my rewatch because apparently if you reference Drew stats means I didn't watch the game. I'll save my full lock take for after I finish the game. But I think we can all agree that the three phases of the game, we dominated two and a half defense, special teams, and running game, which is half our offense. On defense, it was great to see Kareem show that missile-like self again. Oge played good, but I'm tired of seeing him fail to tackle with his shoulder as runners bounce off of him again and again for 10 extra yards every week. Honestly, the list of defensive players that played great is, is long. Our, shot, our kick coverage was weirdly good minus the one sort of long return, and we only punted like once, right? Lastly, Shoddy filled in nicely for Reisner. Oh, Schlotty. Uh, I hope he's okay. Phil was obviously fantastic, and Freeman made some critical plays too. That's all for the sugar. Salt tomorrow. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. But, Ryan, there, does salt hurt if there's no wounds open? No, it doesn't. Salt on a non-open wound is just a preparation for a tequila shot. 
<laughs> so bring on the salt tomorrow, McCaffrey night. It is, it is Taco Tuesday, so you, you need some tequila to supplement those tacos, don't you? Yeah, he'll bring the salt, you bring the limes, I'll bring the tequila. Let's go, baby. <laughs> and that's the way it should be on this week. The Broncos' two-game win streak haven't lost this month and have a massive opportunity coming for them on Sunday against the Chiefs in Denver. I don't know about you, man, but uh, if I were the Chiefs, I wouldn't want to face the Broncos in Locktober. Because <laughs> call it a lock. Exactly. All right, well, uh, this was a fun one, Zach. And, of course, before we get out of here, a big shout-out to WGT. Not only the most popular golf game in the world, but the official gaming partner of DNVR. Go over to dnvrgolf.com and download the app from there. That lets them know that you want to play with us. And then double down on that by going into the Country Club section and joining DNVR3. That's DNVR number three, no spaces. You get in there. We have fun tournaments almost every weekend. You can play with your fellow DNVR family members. You can challenge your fellow DNVR family members. You can challenge us. And you can play some of the most amazing courses in the world. So dnvrgolf.com is where you download it. And once you get in there, go in and join that DNVR3 Country Club. That's going to do it for us today, though, guys. Have a great day, and we will talk to you tomorrow.